0: Welcome to Ensemble, where the sum of the whole is greater than its parts. This week's bite-size episode is going to cover the hottest topics in the financial and crypto world to give you some tools to feel smarter at the dinner table and more informed in the markets. My name is Tim, with me is Dean, and today we are your Ensemble. Well, Dano, I know we always discuss the hottest topics in the financial and crypto worlds, but there's only one story at the moment that's caught the eyes and the bank balances of billions around the globe. And that is, of course, the capitulation, demise, and what seems to be fraudulent behavior of the second largest crypto exchange in the world, being FTX. FTX is founded by and is run by a man called Sam Bankman-Freed. SBF who has a number of other crypto companies under his belt such as Alameda Research and you'll hear about a few more today they have since gone under a 32 billion dollar business as it was valued not too long ago now worth zero people are calling it cryptos Enron cryptos Bernie Madoff story of hero to villain Dino give us a little bit of background how did we get here
1: So Tim, before we get into the details of how we got there, let's take it back to 2019, where SBF and Gary Wang released FTX in May 2019. About six months later, Binance went and invested a stake into the company. And in 2020, they followed up their investment with further funding. However, in 2021, Binance went and sold their position in FTX. And the consideration for the transaction was paid in BUSD and FTT. Now FTT is FTX's native token. Now that was probably one of the big events and the reason Binance had uh, FTT on its balance sheet, but this wasn't actually the set off. So maybe you can give us a bit of insight into what actually happened in November that ultimately brought this house of cards down. Sure.
0: So, well, look, it was really bad timing because crypto had had a couple of really good weeks and seemed like maybe it was turning the corner with the rest of the market, as we'll explain a little bit later. But it turned out that FTX's native token, FTT, was basically worthless, didn't carry any weight to it. And they had basically 6 to $8 billion of their company that was in this native token of FTX, which was worth nothing. When Binance, who, of course, is the biggest crypto exchange in the world and FTX's biggest competitor, When they found out about this, they threatened to dump all of their FTT tokens onto the market and exit the positions. Now, this all happens on Twitter. It was a hilarious and very, very upsetting crypto uh, crypto Twitter battle to watch. And of course, what happened was it kicked off a really nasty game theory event that cascaded out of control so quickly. Everyone thought that, you know what? if CZ if Binance dump all these tokens it's the tokens going to become worthless so I better get out now everyone started selling token just completely plummeted out of control and given the fact that you know six plus billion dollars of FTX's balance sheet was tied up in this in this token which was worth $25 and all of a sudden is now worth three dollars FTX just had no money left so what what was next what, what happened after FTX is now basically worth nothing what, what what happened in the next stage of the game theory
1: Well, in the next stage of the game theory, what obviously happened and transpired, which we now know thanks to CZ's uh, talk a few days ago at one of the tech conferences, was SBF landed up phoning him and saying, look, we're in a bit of trouble and we need your help as customer funds uh, are on the line. So CZ has always focused on customer interaction and protecting customer funds. And he turned around and said, look, we can look at potentially acquiring FTX. So in full transparency, CZ went onto Twitter and he said, we have signed a non-binding letter of intent to acquire FTX subject to a due diligence. But within one day, a further tweet was then put up to say, deals off, not happening. I mean, what did you think about that in that
0: period? Well, well, the writing was on the wall because during that period, FTX had also paused withdrawals for their customers, but in true criminal uh, behavior, they they pause withdrawals no one could take their money out of ftx but deposits were still open you could still put your money in you could still trade you just couldn't take out and so it was just raising eyebrows across the whole industry everyone was panicking you know obviously for retail users we might have a few thousand dollars in there but some vcs it's been reported like Galois capital at a hundred million dollars just sitting in funds that blockfi had 250 plus million dollars of their customers funds sitting in there, we're talking really significant capital. Withdrawals are paused, due diligence happens, CZ and Binance realize, all right, well, we wanted to buy you for pennies on the dollar, not worth it, so they backed out of the deal.
1: And and very interestingly, so in in CZ's first uh, press uh, interaction, he says that the Binance team rarely dug into the DD and there were a couple of main points that highlighted too many big red flags. The first is he said, from a product perspective, they're better. There's nothing new or bespoke that FTX offers. Second is he said they actually target the same customers, so he would not be acquiring new customers. Third is he said the valuation was naturally going to be a big issue, but the key thing that really, really put the red flag up was the fact that customer funds had been touched, there was huge scrutiny from regulators in the US, and they were not prepared to be part of it. Now, he said that they quickly decided there and then to go to market and say, Deal is off.
0: So what's really important to to note about that is that it was revealed at this stage that FTX were using customer funds elsewhere. You would deposit, you would buy your two Ethereum, three Ethereum with $5,000. FTX would then take your money and try and invest it elsewhere through a backdoor system that SBF had created through his market maker Alameda Research, which is unbelievably unethical. He says it's a mathematical error that you're allowed to do things like this, but it's completely illegal. It doesn't matter what way you try and skin it, That he was using customers' funds. And this is why the bank run happened, that they didn't actually have enough liquidity. They didn't have the cash. They were meant to have X amount of customers' funds on there. So when all the customers tried to get their funds out at the same time, they were just nowhere near the amount that they needed to get it out. So they go bankrupt.
1: And, And I guess, Tim, that was ultimately the... The uh, pain point where they decided, look, we got to file for bankruptcy, FTX and their associated companies then filed for bankruptcy, SBF stepped down as CEO, and who do they appoint as the CEO of FTX? Take a guess. None other than John J. Ray III, a lawyer who helped run Enron post-bankruptcy
0: so here goes the enron saga but really at this stage it's spiraling out of control and one of the biggest issues with crypto as we know it's fully transparent the books and the blockchain are fully transparent but everything seems to transpire on twitter and spf was running these long threads explaining what was happening apologizing he came out and said this was only ftx international that was having the problem then within 24 hours it was clear that ftx us alameda research and basically every other subsidiary of ftx of which there are many uh, have filed for the chapter 11 in america as well so there was a lot of line going on after withdrawals had been paused there was a hack of the system which is believed to be insider trading there was also finally uh, according to bahamian regulations uh, where they're headquartered or incorporated ftx they have to pay out bahamas citizens of ftx before they can pay out any other debtors so whilst withdrawals were stopped Everyone was still getting paid. No one had any idea what was going on. It was spiraling.
1: And and Tim, that's the interesting part because earlier today, the Bahamian regulators then came out and said, we did not uh, instruct FTX to only allow Bahamian residents to withdraw. And we have no idea what they are talking about. So if the saga could not get any worse, take a guess it did. Now, I guess what else is interesting is, is this hack because one would have thought that immediately after the uh, bankruptcy was announced, certain protections would have been put in place. I guess it's been an absolute chaotic week and we only have to follow this saga to really see what unravels, but rest assured that the only people that are probably going to suffer are the users.
0: Definitely. And it's not only the users. And I mean, we obviously care more about the users, but I'll speak about some of the VCs and big investments. I mentioned Galois Capital earlier, they have 100 million out of a $200 million fund just sitting on uh, sitting on FTX. But there's a lot of other VCs who have put in huge, amount of, huge amounts of money into FTX, most famously Sequoia, who put in $213 million just a year ago into FTX. They've written that down to zero. Now that's a penny on their balance sheet that's 0.5% of their entire assets under management. But for someone like Multicoin, FTX, and then companies like Solana, Blockfolio, etc., cetera, with 10% of their balance sheet. So we now need to look at what's gonna happen next with some of these VCs. Are Multicoin gonna look at selling off other assets in order to pay off this debt? Are they gonna be a little bit more cautious to be exposed to Web3? What are some of these trickle-down economic and relationship effects, let alone all the regulation stuff and what's happening already with crypto in Washington and in America? This is not the end of the bloodbath uh, that we all have seen in the last week.
1: Absolutely. And I think what we're probably going to see in the next few weeks is a lot of exchanges coming out and publishing their proof of reserves. But I guess our users must not be distracted from this because we also need to ensure exchanges publish their proof of liabilities. Once again, if the assets do not exceed the liabilities, the exchanges have a problem. So absolutely breaking, breaking news. Moving on, though, I guess, Tim. Um,
0: just, should, just yeah. Just the last, just the last point on that, Dane. And just for all our ensemblers out there, it's a really good reminder just to be really cautious with your privacy and cybersecurity and, and just overall management of your cryptos. We've said it before a million times, not your keys, not your coins. If you've got funds sitting on exchanges, get them off if they're idle. Uh, crypto can be a safe space it's a new and an innovative space uh, but let's just make sure that we're smart about the way we manage our our funds
1: absolutely now for our ensemblers out there looking at the u.s stocks and the nasdaq what can you tell us uh, about this week
0: Well, it was, in fact, the best week that we've had since before corona started in March 2020. There was some very positive news, and this is funny to say this, of 7.7% inflation numbers down from 8.2% last year. We're cheering on 7.7% inflation. That's sort of where we are at the moment. But the NASDAQ responded really well, and the S&P has responded with basically the best week that we've had since March 2020. Many are also attributing it uh, to some of the newer COVID policies going on in China and some of the new approaches that we're taking towards the Ukraine situation as well. That being said, uh, tech stocks are still taking a bit of a hit. Most of you would have seen that Meta laid off 11,000 staff. Uh, so it's really commodities and the old schoolers that are, that are carrying the weight for us at the moment. Anyway, Dino, that's all for today. Keep stacking sats, hodling, building and staying cautiously optimistic. And remember, you're not alone. You're part of our ensemble trying to get a bit financially smarter every day.
1: Recording stopped.